Welcome to Lesbians Who Write with Claire Lydon and T.B. Markinson. Conversations about writing and lesbian fiction. Join us as we draw back the curtain on the writer's life. Hello and welcome to episode 173 of Lesbians Who Write. This week's topic is craft books. Do we like them? Have we learned anything from them? Joining me, Claire Lydon, is my co-host, co-host, is my co-host, <laughs> is somebody who's a co-host, the always crafty T.B. Markinson. Hello, T.B., that introduction tells you all you need to know about me today. How are you? Uh, should we ask, should we just go to you, or you seem a bit frazzled today, oh. like... <laughs> I will tell you all about my day after you told me about your week, but it's been a fucking morning, so I'll say. Okay, okay. I, I'm a little sad that you don't introduce me as the ghost anymore. I, I preferred ghost over ghost. I know. Well, I don't know what I introduced you as today. It was like, ah. <laughs> I have no idea if that was a word or English or maybe, maybe you got possessed by aliens. Well, that seems as likely an explanation as any. All right, we'll go with that one. You're you got an alien invasion going on yeah. over there. So over here is not as eventful. <laughs> um, so what's been going on here? So I recently released a box set of the London novellas I started publishing in 2020. The set includes the setup, the date, and the proposal. I really like the cover of the box set. I really like the covers of all the collection. And then when the um, designer made the box set, it's just so really, it's just cute. If you want to take a look at it, it's just cute. I, I really I, like it. I, I like the um, whimsical I, feel. Yeah, I agree. Sorry to interrupt, but I agree because I looked at your, um, I clicked, you know, you sent me an email and I clicked. It worked. Um, one of your iHeartSafic oh. emails. <laughs> so I clicked it and then I had a look and um, I saw your box set and I did, you know, I, it was my thought. I thought, that's cute. Uh, that's, it's the whole feel, it's the whole reason I wrote the set because like that was back in 2020 after I was sick and... I had an angsty book on my schedule, and I was like, I can't do angst after, like, being sick for, like, two solid months. So I wrote the setup, which was just a fun story set in my favorite place, and I just had a lot of fun. And then I ended up writing the date and the proposal, and everything's just about, about it. It's just cute and fun and lighthearted and no angst. No angst. I couldn't handle angst. So, so that is out in the world. It's called It's With Love from London. And each story is a standalone, and it's about an American who finds love in London and ends up staying because London is the best city, and I miss it. That's what's going on in the publishing part of my life over at IHS. We survived the first month of 2023, and it happened to be our best month ever. We're getting into a better groove now with the new website. It's becoming a bit easier to manage. <laughs> Because when we first launched, there's like it was a brand new, and all the systems had changed, and all the protocols had changed, and it was just added more stress. And we all know that um, I'm the one who hates change, even though I love to pivot. <laughs> but the actual change part always throws me because you get used to something, and then you have to do it completely different. Like it's hard. It's hard. And the older I get, it's harder to change on the fly. Anyways, um, in other news on IHS, the uh, favorite scenes anthology we're putting together is uh, is growing. Uh, we have over 180 entries, and we also got um, uh, Radcliffe submitted an entry, so that was quite exciting for oh, us on our end. That is exciting. 180. My God, this is going to be a, a bumper mammoth book. Yes, and we're hoping 
this we're, we want to market is like if you've never tried sapphic fiction here's like some of the best sapphic fiction on, on the market by some of the best authors so um we're hoping to market the heck out of this so yeah so that's exciting so that's going on uh poor miranda is the one who has to format that one oh sorry miranda but in, in, in good news uh, i did come in under I, I sent you one were you impressed and, yes, yes. And I came in under the word count, so I, I figure double bonus for me. There you go. You get a gold. You get two gold stars. Thank you. Yes. So yeah. So I imagine when Miranda's formatting that, I will be um, probably buying her some nice bottles of wine. As of like, I'm sorry, you're the one who is more techie than me. So that should be fun for her coming up later this month. And in writing news. I sent off the next Lizzie installment to my editor on the 1st of February. My edit deadline was February 1, and I sent it at 5 p.m. I know my editor prefers getting it in the morning, but I'm taking it as a win because it was still on the 1st. Does that count? I think I think that is still very good, since I've missed all my edit, editing deadlines uh, of late. My, late. my last one I missed by two months, so uh, I think getting it in a few hours late is okay. All right, I'm going to give myself a gold star for that one then. Yeah. We're just tossing out gold stars today. <laughs> so um, the Lizzie installment is a novella size. I think it came in at 36K. And in other writing news, Miranda and I are working on a co-write, and we spent uh, the Sunday going over plot points and names for a series we're working on. It's a bigger project. It's a bigger in scope. We're writing a cozy uh, mystery series. And um, it was a lot of fun. We had to look up names that go back a century, and we were researching names for female bootleggers. And some of the bootleggers back in the day had some awesome nicknames, like Moonshine Mary and the Rump Running Queen. I was like, why don't I have a cool nickname? <laughs> well, I can call you the Rump Running Queen. I can't, I, don't get me to say things today. I can't speak. You're the rock when it comes to enunciation, and I'm the one that's usually stumbling. So this is going to be an interesting episode. So, in not-so-great news, over the past weekend, Gray was very sick. And on Saturday, which happened to be the coldest day of the year, and the coldest day that New England had uh, been through for many decades, it set some records, I was really praying that I wouldn't have to rush her to the vet. Um, first, she hates the vet. Second, I knew it was going to be a very expensive trip if I had to rush her to the animal hospital. And I wasn't sure my car would start because it was like negative 33. It was really cold. And when I do have to take Gray to the vet, like I have to take her to um, the vet to have a vet tech trim her nails. And it's the only time I've ever had to take a cat in to have their nails trimmed because usually I can do it. But she is, as you know, not the most chillax cat on the planet. We have to, I have to give her calming medication just to get her nails trimmed. So I was like, God, oh, this is going to be a nightmare. And then I wasn't sure Pepper would start. That's my car. I kept hearing other neighbors trying to start their cars without any luck. Luckily, by Sunday morning, she was perking up and she's doing much better. But it was a stressful weekend. And, and on top of that, it was really fucking cold. Like, I was blasting the heat. I had, like, so many layers on. I looked absolutely ridiculous. So it was not the best weekend. No, but I'm very glad to hear that Gray is okay now. And um, yeah, and you didn't have to try and start the car because that would have probably been a bit of a dangerous journey as well. But I have I have heard about your weather 
the weather, the extreme weather you've been having <laughs> over there. Because um, I know that uh, a couple of people that my wife works with, they were flying to New York, like for a holiday. And I was thinking, oh, it's a bad weekend to be there, everyone. So yeah, yeah, yeah it was it was miserable. Um, but the weird thing is, like, so it started setting in Friday night, but then by Sunday afternoon, it was back in the forties. Okay. It was really quick, and um, it and then now again tonight we have a winter weather morning. We've been we've been oscillating back and forth, which is driving my sinuses and allergies crazy because whenever we have a different weather pressure system, it gives me a headache. So it's been a fun winter. Really loving it. Been fun. So now that we know what's going on over here, why are you so frazzled, Claire? <laughs> well, let me tell you. Let me tell you a story. So um, with all my medical issues that I had last year and the last uh, operation I had was a real success and I feel the difference, right? So I wanted to say thank you to the surgeon who did it. So I wanted to take her, give her some chocolates, right? So give her some posh chocolates. But when I asked the hospital about it, the her secretary was like, you know, don't send them by post because they'll never get here. So I thought, oh, well, you know, I, I walk for an hour every day I'm just walk down there and drop them off. No, no, no drama. I asked the secretary, "Would this be okay?" Just drop them off to her. I don't need to see. Don't need to see the the person who did it. And she's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." So we arranged it. But the problem is that the people are based in one hospital. I have my surgery in a different hospital. And did I go to the right hospital this morning, TB? In sort of zero degrees temperatures, in thick fog, uh, walking around the hospital, <laughs> asking people. Do you know where this particular department and this particular person is? No, I did not. And I was on the phone to this woman for 15 minutes and she was like, are you at the main entrance? Because I'm at the main entrance and I'm coming to meet you and I can't see you. <laughs> yeah, we, I, reader, we were at, or listener, we were at different hospitals. So that happened this morning and that wasn't good. And then, you know, and then I had to get the bus partway back and then walk back. So I ended up walking for two hours this morning. I didn't have a cup of coffee got home and it was really cold so I was chilled all the way through and then I went to a core condition it was foggy yeah super foggy super duper foggy I like it was bad because I've only ever been to this hospital for my surgery so I wasn't sure where I was going so the traffic was crazy it was really cold I went to the wrong fucking hospital no one's got any chocolates yet I'm just trying to be kind well, look where kindness gets you I recommend that you eat the chocolates you have now and get a fresh set <laughs> And then maybe the chocolates will make you feel better. <laughs> oh, yeah. Anyway, you know, I went to my core conditioning class after that. I got all zen. I stretched myself out. I, I, I strengthened my core and we go again. And what have I been up to apart from, go, you know, wasting mornings walking to the wrong hospitals? Um, I have been plotting, writing, plotting, writing. So um, I've written about, uh, I've written quite a lot of words in the last couple of weeks on a couple of different projects. Um, so I've parked London 9 for now. Uh, I'm 10k into my next project, uh, but I have to stop this. I'm going to have to stop that one when I'm... When I'm going to have to plot it then. You know my 10k and then plot, you know. <laughs> a tried and tested uh, formula that doesn't really work, but let's do it again. Uh, and then I need to plot it. And then I need to stop that and then go back because my football book is back to the editor. Um, now, I'm not going to lie. I've got too many projects on the go. I know that this doesn't really work. <laughs> TV's just sitting there chuckling. I know it doesn't really work, but I kind of want to get this other one going and then I feel like I can just 
I can just zip off London 9, right? Um, yeah, in a week or something. Yeah, absolutely. 70,000 words in a week? What do you think? Do you not want to write London 9? <laughs> no, I really do. I've completely plotted it. You keep doing this, though, to London 9. Like, you were supposed to write London 9, and then you wrote the funny book. And now you're working on another book. And I'm wondering if there's a part of you that doesn't want to say goodbye to your London series. Um, no, I, I, th I think the reason I didn't write London 9 last time around was because I didn't have the right uh, character... The basically I've got I've the one of the lead characters he's got a completely new job and it completely fits the story so I've changed the story to fit that so I've got a, a solid story yeah and it's all plotted I need to get this other one to a certain stage and then I need to do the football book I kind of feel like I have to get the football book through the editor stage before I go back to London 9 because I want to have a clear run of time you see so yeah I'm just juggling too many things uh, and getting all my characters mixed up in my head, probably. Because I know everyone says, oh, no, you shouldn't, you won't get the characters mixed up. But I don't know. You juggle things all the time. Do you get characters mixed up in your head? I don't know. I'm always mixed up about everything. I'm sure I do, but nothing's coming to mind at the moment. But, um, yeah. But I juggle things, like, I juggle very different projects. Right. Okay. Maybe that's so, maybe that's the thing, you see. Maybe, maybe if you juggle different projects, then it's not as... Uh, not as all tied up, sort of tangled. Anyway, but at the moment, it's going all right. I also, so that's it. So once this, um, once my football book is out of the way, well, not out of the way, but, you know, done to when I can then send it to first readers, then I will get back to London 9. I commissioned the football cover this week, so that's good. I also sent back my new laptop because I didn't like it. It's gone back. I've got the money refunded. We start again. <laughs> Why didn't you like it? Uh, it wasn't very good. It wasn't. I didn't like the keyboard initially as well, but it just wasn't very fast. Like it's meant to be twice as fast as the one I've got, and it was. It wasn't. So I wasn't very impressed. Do you use the keyboard on your laptop? You don't have an external. No, no, keyboard? no. No, I do. But you know, just okay. For instance, when I go away for a week or something like that, I, I didn't like the feel. The basically, it was too small. The keyboard was too small. And these are things that you don't know when you don't see it in a shop, like I bought it online. So I think what I'm going to do is go into the big John Lewis, which is um, the Oracle shop on Oxford Street in London, and then just try my hands on keyboards. You're going to fondle some laptops? I'm going to fondle some... I'm going to fondle some keys. Ooh. What else has been happening? Oh, I did some social media training. Um, I got a free social media course. So uh, I did it. It was meant to take an hour. It took four. Uh, but that's because I had to do lots of planning. And then after that, I'm going to have to do the social media-ness. So I don't really know if it helped or not. But it did make me think about my goals for social media. Because I think you can just go through it and keep doing it and not have goals. What's your reason? What's your reason why? So always think about that. It did make me think about things differently. But it did take a long time. And that's four hours and that's not even doing any social media posts for month so <laughs> I was like oh my god I'm drained and training drains you doesn't it it was like that's what I did on a, a, one Saturday afternoon what a treat that was for me but in other news this past weekend we had a lovely time we went to the London Irish Centre uh, because you know obviously now I've got my passport they let me in no not really you can get in but I did wear green shoes just in case uh, we went for the St Bridget's Day celebration we went because my neighbour up the road lovely Linda um, she was performing and it was fabulous because St Bridget is the patron saint of a lot of things but she's the patron saint of um, women really she's like 
a fabulous woman in Irish history and she's a patron saint of fertility and beer and all sorts so yeah beer and fertility goes well I think <laughs> it seems like that is what helps um keep the world populated yes so well done Bridget but anyway we went for some um it was a celebration of Irish women it was fantastic we had uh, an Irish comedian comparing and they flew all these acts over from Dublin apart from my mate who lives up the road from me um but she is of Irish uh, descent and yeah it was it was really good we had a great time and then we also in the past we went to see a queer play at the Vaults Festival which is underneath Waterloo Arches if anyone's in London highly recommend um it was called Thirsty that was one of the ones that um I got for free tickets for free because she knew about the podcast so it that's actually over so you can't go and see that but there's lots of other good things you can go and see um I'm, we're going to see a drag king show uh, on Friday um and that I'm really looking forward to that because I'm 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 loving loving a drag king and we also this weekend went to see a momentous football game at Tottenham Hotspur where Harry Kane we beat uh, Manchester City 1-0 which was great it was one of the best atmospheres um, I've had in the stadium for ages and mainly because Harry Kane scored the goal to break the record for the most goals ever scored by one person for Spurs so he broke Jimmy Greaves's all-time goal scoring record it was amazing to be there I got quite emotional at the end he did an interview on on the pitch the whole stadium stayed behind to cheer him oh it was beautiful beautiful and then this weekend we're going back to the Spurs stadium to see the Spurs women's team play. It's all go TV. Yeah, yeah. And then um, how close is Harry breaking the next record? Isn't he narrowing in on like Wayne Rooney's record? I think. Yeah, uh, he's gonna. So, but he's eight goals off Wayne, but he's sixty goals off Alan Shearer. So he's got a few more seasons of goals to go to get there. That's the all-time uh, Premier that's, League that's, goal scorer. Yeah, that's that's quite an impressive feat. Oh yeah. So well Absolutely. done, and the fact that you were there and part of history—that's yeah. always exciting. I know you love history so much. <laughs> Living history, I'm all about it. Well, apart from when it's bad. When it's good, I like it. Yeah, Harry Kane scoring a 267th goal for Spurs—I like it. I'm all over it. Even my wife, an Arsenal fan, was happy to be there. Anyway, let's get on to comments. What you got? I haven't got anything. Any comments, your end? We have one comment. Um, Emmy Tudor let us know what uh, Emmy's new good habit is for this year, and it is to do at least an hour of editing every day. So, Emmy, we are wishing you the best of luck, and thanks for sharing what good habit you're trying to form, because I know uh, Claire and I are also trying to form some good habits this year as well. Apparently, Claire is focusing on social media at the moment. Uh, well, I don't know if I'm focusing on it. <laughs> I did some training on it. Anyway, don't know what those noises were. I will. I would like to report though. Well done, uh, Emmy. An hour of editing a day seems like um, that's like perpetual pain for an hour a day. I see. I'm much more of a block worker. I know that TB is much more of a little and often. I'm much more of a burst worker. My habit, you know, I, I remember we said what is our key goal. Mine was to do yoga five times a week. Um, I'm I'm managing it so far, so um, go me. Mine was to write every day, and I've so far I've done it. Um, it helped when I had a tight ed editing deadline, so that helped spur me because there was one day where I think my daily goal was 750, and I got 4,000 words that day, and I was like, oh, I'm above the curve now. You are. <laughs> You're in the sky. You're so high. 
Well, so there you go. Good. Well, that's good that we're both uh, managing to keep with our goals. So excellent. Or, or our habits. Right. Let's go on to the topic at hand. Now, you may remember last time around that I said, oh, someone sent in a question and I can't remember what it was. And then this person, hello, Becky. Um, she messaged me and said, oh, is the new episode out? Because you said you were going to answer that question, my question. And I went, yes, I did. But I lied because I've lost your question. But thank you for getting back in touch, Becky. We're now going to answer your question. So Becky's question had a couple of parts to it. And it went like this. What are your favourite craft books about writing? Have they helped you? What techniques and practices did you implement into your daily routine that you learned from one of them? So I will say from the top that this question, a great question, a great multi-part question, but not a brilliant question for me, really, because I don't really read craft books. Um, I find them really dull and I, my, my attention span, it's like reading history for me, my attention span for these things. <laughs> I've, I, and that's not to say I haven't bought them. I've bought quite a few. Um, I've got quite a few on my desk, on, on my desk, on my, no, they're not on my desk. If they're on my desk, I might use them. Like, oh, actually, I've got the Emotion Thesaurus and I do occasionally use it. But when I say occasionally, I probably mean once or twice a year because I forget it's on there. It's just like a, it's like an ornament on my desk, really. <laughs> but I know a lot of people. Well, once or twice a year? Yeah. Oh, that, uh, I have a different experience with that particular book. It's a lot. Oh, okay. So yeah, I mean, a lot of people use um, the Emotion Thesaurus and she's got, um, it's by Angela Ackerman and Becca Puglish. It's on its side, I'm trying to read the names. Um, they've got a whole series of books and I know loads of writers who say that they're brilliant. I'm just really bad at reading craft books, so but I have used those and they have helped me out. So um, if you want a different word or a different way to describe an emotion, um, that's a very good one. There you go, look. I'm better at this already than I think. Yes, I'm, I'm listening to a certain book and um, every character keeps rolling their eyes at every chapter. Like it's like three characters in one chapter and they all roll their eyes and I'm like, hmm. Mm, yes. Maybe, look, maybe not have to roll the eyes several times yeah. per chapter. Yes, you need to look out for repetition. There's one thing that I would say for me that... Um, I've learned how to do certain things and put them into my daily, well, it's not always daily, but learn how to put them into uh, my writing and editing processes just through doing. I learn through doing. I don't really, like I, if I read it, I suppose it's a bit like the seven touch points of marketing. If I read it once, I won't remember it. My memory's shit. So if I read it, that's why, that's why I'm, I hesitate to read craft books. It's only by doing it that I really get it into my head. Now, and so there are certain things that I do, but where I found them, I don't know. Um, it may be that some of them were in craft books, but I think that I more go to, when I go to conferences, I pick up some things that people say. That's that's really true for me. Um, I did go to a, a writing group um, when I first started and I, and I picked up some things there. And um, editors, I think that I have learned the most by getting my work edited by somebody who knows shit. I mean, do you want me to say more on this, TB, or do you want to do your intro? What do you think? I didn't finish the editing part. I don't want to interrupt you halfway through your comment. Okay, uh, so there's there's two parts to this. So before you say, no, not before you say I do, it had to be you, right? So it had to be you 
is my Christmas uh, novella that you get free when you sign up to my mailing list. Now that started off as a short story, so I think it was like 3,000 words, and then I fleshed it out and it became a 25,000 word novella. Now when it was a 3,000 word story, that came, that story came from me being part of a writing group um, in Greenwich, just, just a general writing group. I used to go along every week and um, have two hours with a group of people and we used to do burst writing and read it out to people and we'd have homework and um, you know it was out of my comfort zone I have to say but I learned some things there and one of them the woman who ran it was really good and she's a really good poet and I learned reading poetry has been on my list of things to do for forever <laughs> and uh, I did manage a couple of poetry books once uh, can't remember them but I really you can learn a lot of things about beautiful writing or just really good descriptions of things by, and succinct descriptions of things as well by reading poetry. But one of her things was prompts, write, writing prompts, right? So one of her writing prompts was her, her boyfriend wasn't exactly as we expected. So I switched it around and said her girlfriend wasn't exactly as we expected. And then I wrote the 3000 word story. And then I decided to send that story in to an anthology for Ilva Publishing, which is called Unwrap These Presents. And that was in 2016, 2017, something like that. Now in that story, I was head hopping all over the show. I didn't understand head hopping. I'd heard about it, I didn't understand it. So I was head hopping. And so I got that, Ilva gave me an editor for that story and she explained head hopping to me and she told me what it was, and that's the first time I understood it. Um, and I, there were three things that I took from that. I, I remember sort of getting that story back and thinking, oh my God, this is really good to have things edited, because you learn shit. <laughs> and I've learned the most from being edited. And that is, you learn more by getting a good editor than you'll ever learn from a book. And it's been true for me throughout my career. I've had a few different editors. I learn something every single time I'm edited. What do you reckon? I will I will second that. I have um, learned a lot more from the editing process. Like, I used to be terrified of the editing process because um, you get it back, especially in, your, in the early days where you don't understand everything, even though you've been a lifelong reader. And when you get something back and it's just, like, bleeding, <laughs> you're like, oh, my gosh, this is so painful. But now I love it because I'm like, oh, right, that's right. And I, I've learned stuff and then, like, Especially if you've been working with a good editor for a while, um, you keep working on different things to keep improving your writing. So I, I agree on that, but I will pivot back to the question about which craft books I particularly um, enjoyed. Now, I don't think I can answer uh, the part where it says, like, what did I pick up from each one and, and implement because I don't remember. Because mm. Uh, it's one of the pieces of advice I love to give people when they read craft books or you read marketing books or you read anything about business or something like that. I'm a big believer in everyone is different. So what what works for Claire might not work for me, but there are certain parts of things that Claire does that I can pick up and kind of cobble together and make it work for me in a different way. So you have to remember when you're studying it or reading the books or listening to podcasts or watching YouTube videos and such. Remember that just because they say you have to do it a certain way, I hate it when people say you have to do it this way and if you don't, you're going to be a big fat failure. That is not true. Everyone's different. So take everything and make it work for you. 
that's that's my big piece of advice. But back to the question. So I guess I'm pivoting again. I'm all about pivoting today. Um, one of the books, uh, one of the craft books I really enjoyed uh, reading was On Writing by Stephen King. I know I've mentioned it many times on this podcast. I just really like that one. Uh, I don't write horror. I don't write fantasy and stuff like that. But I admire King's ability to craft stories that hook readers. And the fan base he has created is truly impressive. I love that he's taken his branding to a whole new level that I didn't know existed because when I drove by his house in Maine last summer, like his his fence around his house has like spider webs on it and you just like you know like without even knowing that Stephen King lives there that um, the house has a creepy feel and I think that's fantastic. The book is fantastic. You learn a lot about like him as the individual and about how he approaches writing and everything. And I recently considered, and I still might get the audiobook. It's I think they're celebrating the 20 year anniversary of the book, and so they have like interviews with his sons, who are also writers and stuff like that, just to have like a refresher. But that is um, a book that has impacted me, and I I remember certain things he said that really rang true, and stuff like that. So I I recommend that book quite a bit. Um. Yes, and um, we're gonna have a an amazing moment here TB because I've only written down two craft books because I really racked my brains because I thought I don't really I don't really know but one of them was Stephen King on writing and I think I think it's probably because um, it's not like most craft books it's not really fucking dull it's actually it's part memoir isn't it part memoir and he wraps up all the writing advice in like a really good story so it's it's actually really readable. Um, I bought it and, and I really loved it. I guess a lot of the advice in that book, if you ask me to remember exactly what it was, um, I think I think there was something on adverbs. Don't use adverbs. You know, that's one thing that I do take to heart. Don't use adverbs. And I do remember that he said, um, you can't be a good uh, writer without being a good reader. And I, and, and the more the more I stop reading, like I, I, I'm reading a lot and I have been, you know, over the past couple of years, but I think, you know, I used to go in and out of reading, but the more you read, the better you write. It's just true. Um, so, you know, if, if you want to be a good writer, do reading. And I think as well, I think one of the things he said was um, just keep it simple. It was, it was really solid advice, you know, like don't use flowery language um, because people don't want to reach for a dictionary when they're, when they're reading. Um, but I'd really recommend um, Stephen King on writing as well. Not often we would recommend the same book, is it? No, no. And one of my favorite scenes in that was when he was talking about, like, because he, he writes for his first reader, who is his wife, Tabitha, and um, she was reading one of his stories, and she was like, oh, there's a lot of backstory here, and it's really, you know, and he's like, well, I you need to he's like, I need to know all that detail about the character and, and it's important. She's like, yes, you need to know the detail. Don't bore the writer with, or the reader with it. And I, that really rang true to me because there, there are a lot of times where you pick up a book and it is just like major backstory info dumps and you're just like, oh, show it more in the narrative. And I think one of the reasons you enjoyed this book is because it is a narrative story. Like it is not like bullet points this is what you do blah 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 he's telling you a story he's walking you through how he fell in love with writing how he started learning how to write and it's and he includes like humorous 
tidbits from his life that just have you rolling on the floor or cringing, like when he used um, poison ivy um, as toilet paper, stuff like that. Like, there's just so much in it where you're just like, and it's a true testament to how much he understands the power of story. Yes, absolutely. Well said. Uh, yeah, so if we could recommend one book, um, we would definitely recommend Stephen King on writing, and I think it stands the test of time as well, right? Because I think I probably read more craft books when I was younger, um, when I wasn't writing full time, when I, when I wanted to write more, I suppose. Um, and one of them, so there was two that I thought of, one was on writing, the other one was by a woman called Natalie Goldberg, and it's called Wild Mind. When I got it off my shelf to, um, today, when I was um, preparing for this, it's still got about 10 um, corners of pages bent down, which is, you know, it makes me a monster, I know. But that's like all the writing exercises that I really liked in it um, that I did. So I remember, like I said, I don't remember loads about that book, but I, what I do remember is that she made being an author and, and doing writing for a living seem um, not so far, not so fictional, I suppose. It seemed, it seemed quite normal. The way she described it and the way she talked about writing and the way she, she kind of made it achievable. Um, so the lessons and the exercises, the writing prompts and things and the writing exercises that she gets you to do in that book, I remember really liking it. You know, we're talking like 15, 20 years ago. So maybe you might enjoy that as well. I don't know. But I really enjoyed that at the time. So I have not read that one. It's Wild Mind by Natalie... Natalie Goldberg. Okay, I'll have to take a look in that one. My next recommendation is a book. It's a simple book. It's a small book. Um, it's, I, I, I have a feeling I, I have a feeling that you told me you don't like this one, so close your ears. Um, it's Romancing the Beat by Gwen Hayes. Um, she, she writes about how to um, write a romance story, and I'm a romance writer, and I read this book halfway through my first 10 years of publishing, and I used that book when I was plotting uh, Reservations of the Heart, and um, I followed her advice, and ROH was my first mega hit. And the, the big thing I learned from that book was you have to show the reader the hole in the heart for each character, the, the characters who are gonna fall in love, your, your leading ladies. You have to show the hole in the heart, and then you have to show how that heart is filled with love by the end of the story. So. That is the big thing I learned from that one. It's not that I don't like that book, actually. Do you know what? I did. I bought it, and everybody everybody recommended it to me. So there must be something in that, right? Um, but I think, actually, what happened was I bought it on Kindle. And I don't know if this is the same for you, but when I'm reading non-fiction books, I like them in paperback. Um, I don't know what it is. It's just how it is. Like, for fiction, I'm very happy to read a Kindle. I probably prefer it in a lot of ways. Uh, but non-fiction... Oh, I would recommend TB's nodding, and I know a lot of people say the same, and I know a lot of non-fiction authors sell way more paperbacks. So if you're going to get get something, get a paperback. I have that one in paperback. And then you might use it more. It's on my desk right over there for reference. Not just an ornament? No, it's not an ornament. It gets, it gets thumbed through quite a bit. <laughs> Okay. Um, yeah, and I will say the other one that I read, and again, I don't know if this is craft, but it's it's sort of... Yeah, I suppose it is a bit, is Take Off Your Pants, Libby Hawker. And I, I think as well, this is at the time, TV's nodding, um, at the time everybody was reading that one and writing. So I think I did read um, Romancing the Beat, um, but I bought Libby Hawker as a book and I, I found that one quite useful and I did plot All I Want for Christmas using that planning method. So again, 
buy it as a book um, and then just see which one you can take bits from each one and make up your own method I suppose but um, yeah that worked for me I also bought hilariously and I'll just tell you this one <laughs> I bought how to write a dirty story by Susie Bright now um, if you're of a certain age you'll remember Susie Bright she's she was quite a big figure um, in lesbian eroticism um, back in the day uh, and she wrote wrote this book called how to write a dirty story so i decided um this is like way before i started writing romance that clearly the money was in um writing dirty stories so i bought it and then i didn't read it because it was a bit dull so maybe i should reread it and then i could start writing eroticism right how how is a book about how to write dirty a dirty story not entertaining i know i know i mean and susie bright you know she's she's quite the oracle uh, and you know maybe it is a good book maybe I just wasn't in the mood for it at the time I think that's what you've always got to remember as well yes there are certain books I've read or certain tv shows I watched and I hated and then I watched it again and I was like I must have been like in a foul mood that day because this is really hilarious so I have one more recommendation or one more book I want to discuss yeah um I learned a lot from my story can beat up your story by Jeffrey Allen Schechter He's a screenwriter, and he breaks down movies to show you what made them successful. It's a pretty short book, but he packs a lot of useful information and tips in it, especially like certain elements that are necessary for readers to root for the good guy and to boo the bad guy. And he talks a lot about the romance arc, even in movies that aren't necessarily romance. Um, like I've, one he kept referencing was like The Dark Knight, which I believe was a Batman movie. But um, it was interesting the way he looked at it because screenwriters – they, they have to pack a lot of stuff in into much smaller segments. And you, you can learn a lot from um, how to write screenwriting books because um, they really, it's kind of like with your poetry thing where you like to read poetry to learn how they put a lot in with very few words. Yeah. That's kind of the skill of screenwriting. And also I think songwriting. I would lump songwriting into that. Listen to some of like the truly masterful songs that tell a fantastic story in three minutes. Yeah. Absolutely. Like those really help. I mean, I took a lot of notes while I was reading that book, so it was interesting. And I like to learn, even though it is about writing, but it's a different type of writing. And I think sometimes that helps you look at it from a different angle, which I think helps you grow. I would totally agree. Yeah, a lot of people have recommended to me to read um, "Story" by Robert McKee. That is like the oracle on um, script writing. And, and just telling great stories, uh, I think mainly for movies or TV. But, you know, you, you'll learn a lot from different mediums, not just novel writing, um, as long as it's writing and as long as it's about story. I also bought another book called Wired for Story, but again, I didn't read it. I found it a bit dull. Apparently, well, not... I just got that one. Oh. Well, you tell me if you like it, but you, you, could, you could have had mine. I think I got 10 pages in. Like, I mean, again, it might be great. I'm just not a great audience for non-fiction. You have to be really fucking entertaining to keep me in non-fiction. But I will say one thing that I do that I do love. So you know, you it might be maybe um, Becky. I don't know what your how you're feeling about non-fiction books. Like maybe you're thinking, oh, I should read more of them. I'd learn so much. But maybe you won't. Who knows? But you can get your information from other places. Podcasts, for instance, like us. But you know, I remember uh, hearing. Um, 
the Mari McFarlane is one of my favourite straight, straight rom-com authors. She's a fucking master. And she did a really good interview on a podcast and I wrote down some things from that and, I, and I've got it on my blackboard above my desk. So when I really like something, I'll just write them down. So her three things, her three recommendations were confront real problems in your writing, write what shocks you, and log the funny because everyone was saying to her how are you so funny because her books are really funny and she says that every time something funny happens she writes it down and so she so she's got a log of things that are funny that have happened because if you're because you might forget them um so those three things and i've got those written on my blackboard because i would forget them otherwise and then stephen pressfield did a really good uh, podcast with tim oh, i can't remember his name but it was it was all about story because stephen pressfield has written a lot on story right um, so he did um, a really good podcast on that and then they released um, some PDFs off that and that was all about obligatory scenes and this was quite a, a few years ago and I hadn't heard of obligatory scenes before so I wrote those down on a note and they're very faded but they're stuck on my blackboard um, and they were the obligatory scenes of a romance novel are the meet cute, the confession of love, the first kiss, first sex if you're having it, lovers break up, proof of love and lovers reunite. So. You can learn things not just from books. You can learn them from seeing people at conferences, hearing them on a radio, listening to them on podcasts, reading them in a in a magazine or a newspaper. You know, th there are lots of ways to learn. Craft books are really good for some people. For me, they're not that great, but you can learn in different ways. And from editors, obviously. Yes, absolutely. Editing, editing. Get a good editor. That will be the best education. Yes. A good one, though. Yes. Good one. <laughs> If we could give any recommendation on how to learn, get a good editor. All right, we hope that's answered your question. Well, let, let, I'll let Becky be the judge. Yeah. Did I answer your question? If not, um, if you had other questions you'd like us to discuss, um, let us know because we've been running out of ideas. For <laughs> <laughs> really I, mean, like to I mean, they always they always hit us at some point, but sometimes they're not quite as obvious. So, you know, we might do um, good marketing uh, and mindset books that we like as well next time around. Um, that probably seems like a good one to do. But yeah, please do send us in your questions um, and we will try and answer them. But remember, it's only just us two answering. We might be talking a load of old bollocks. Oh, absolutely. Mm. Complete total frauds. We yeah. are. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Do get in contact with us and um, tell us your questions uh, and do tell us good craft books that you've read that you've loved ways to get in contact on the website lesbianswhowrite.com please leave us a comment we'd love one um you can get in contact on email lesbianswhowrite at gmail.com you can facebook us you can twitter us at lesbianswhowrite and you can instagram me at clairefic and join us next time when we will be discussing maybe uh business and craft um no marketing and mindset and business books i don't know we'll think about it Send us your questions. Maybe we should do maybe we should do marketing books on one episode and then mindset on a separate episode. Ooh, ooh, going niche. She's drilling down, getting granular. All right. In the meantime, um, keep writing. Have a great week. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to Lesbians Who Write. Follow us on Twitter at Les Who Write, or show us some love on our website by leaving us a comment or buying us a coffee. And sign up to our newsletter while you're there to never miss another episode. Head over to lesbianswhowrite.com. Also, if you could take a moment to leave us a review wherever you listen to this podcast, it would help more listeners to discover us. Thanks so much and see you next time.